Relatively Geeky presents Doom Speak. Dr. Doom, number six. Welcome to the sixth episode of Doom Speak, in which we are observing, nay, celebrating, one of the most important eras in the history of comic books. The issuance by Marvel Comics, finally, of a comic book bearing the glorious name of Dr. Doom. And in this episode, we'll be looking at Dr. Doom number six. But first, a little feedback from last episode. And again, we were able to keep podcasting's Michael Bailey busy at work. Apparently, timing is always going to have me listening to these Doom Speak episodes while I'm working. The fact that I am settling the tills while listening to a finance professor talk about Marvel's greatest character, Mike actually said villain, but that was probably a typo. Marvel's greatest character is very fitting. Thank you, Mike, and just so you know, Doom appreciates a job well done. And a shout-out goes to Derek William Crabb of the Fan Holes podcast, who posted recently on Facebook that he picked up these issues recently. His comments... Professor Allen seemed to enjoy them on Doomcast, so I was checking them out. I like the interactions with Kang the Conqueror. The modern-day current affair stuff, and Doom cursing, and saying John Lennon was his favorite Beatle, those were really weird for me, though. Fair points, Derek. Fair points. Little-known fact, as a child, Victor was the founder of the Ringo Starr fan club. Mike Zomkowski said it was a great series and told me to keep it going. Yes, sir. I will. Gene Hendricks from The Hammer Strikes said that he was confused for a while listening to last episode. I had a bit of a mental disconnect when listening to this episode. You see, being a huge Quasar fan, Gene, you really don't have to say that. Everybody knows. Being a huge Quasar fan, when I hear the name Blue Marvel, I picture this guy, and he linked to the Marvel wiki entry for Thelius, a.k.a. Blue Marvel, who appeared in six issues of some series called uh, Quasar? But no. Sorry, Gene. Different guy, same name, but different guy. And Sir, Sir Martin of Grey, commented on the joke that I realized was in last episode, albeit unintentionally, and that was the phrase, an embarrassment of riches. See, I thought about making the embarrassment of Richards joke, but held my tongue. But fortunately, Martin made that exact joke on Twitter. Thank you, sir. That was perfect timing. And Sir Luke of the Upstate rode in with his thoughts. I'm guessing that these will mostly be about Kang. Professor, another enjoyable episode of Doomspeak, covering another intriguing-sounding issue of Doctor Doom, and not just because Kang the Conqueror was all over it. See, Luke, there you go. Always staying on brand. I can respect that. I have to say, with Doom's frustrations finally boiling over in this issue, 
I was reminded of another Marvel character, Doom's longtime on and off friend, Namor the Submariner. Namor always walks the line between hero and villain, mostly due to his unchecked pride and temper, which pushes him in a negative way when he loses control of his emotions. In this series, with Doom as the protagonist, the creative team seems to be channeling that dynamic. That Doom has this immense potential to be a beneficent force, but his pride will eventually win out, short-circuiting Victor back to his old patterns of behavior. Keep up the great work on the series. I'm really enjoying the continuing coverage of Doom's adventures. Luke Giaconetti from Two True Freaks. Thank you, Sir Luke. You know, between Namor and Doom and Black Panther, Marvel really has developed this unique subset within their roster of powered characters, and that is the superpowered national leader. It's a cool dynamic, and even though all three of those characters have this core similarity, and their stories, you know, have some common points and themes, they're also quite different and quite separate characters. Uh, each one is distinct. Each one has their own unique uh, aspects, uh, traits, characteristics. Marvel has done a really good job with those characters over the, I was going to say over the years, but over the decades. Uh, good insights there, Luke. Social media support for that episode came from Paul Spatero, Clinton Robison, Pat Sampson, James Williams, Victor Natolu, The Collected Edition, Laurel, a.k.a. Mountainflower1, Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit, J. David Weeder, Ryan Daly, Robert Ludwig, The Most Sane Man Among Us, and... Our network listeners of the year, Countess Ruth and Count Darren of the Sutherlands. Now, before we take a break, let me give us all a sneak preview of the upcoming issue. Doctor Doom number six with this blurb from previews. After uncovering the Simcarian plot against him, Doctor Doom seeks an insurance policy that will ensure his reign over Latveria forever. Before he returns to his homeland to wage a one-man war on those who usurped his throne, he embarks on a covert mission to find a secret and powerful device with an unlikely ally, Kang the Conqueror. Did I get your attention, Luke? All while being pursued by mercenaries hired to kill him on sight. And we'll be back right after this to talk about Dr. Doom. Number six. Greetings, podcast listener. My name is Charlie Neymar, and I host a show called Charlie's Geekcast, all about me and what I like, but mostly about what I like. 2020 marks a pretty special year for me. For one thing, I'll be turning 40 this year. But this year also marks 10 years since I started podcasting by talking about Superman's adventures in the Bronze Age. Coincidentally, this year also marks 50 years since Superman entered the Bronze Age. To celebrate all of this, this year I'll be doing a series of episodes called Geeking on Superman in the Bronze Age, where I'll be looking at some great Bronze Age Superman adventures that I didn't get around to the first time around. It's a lot of around. 
So check out Charlie's GeekCast, part of the Two True Freaks internet radio network at twotruefreaks.com. Also, you can find the show at charliesgeekcast.com or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back. Doctor Doom number six at a cover price of May 2020 was released on March 3rd, 2020 and at a cover price of $3.99. The cover by Salvador La Roca shows Doom and Kang both in profile, hands interlocked, kind of like they're preparing for an arm wrestling match. In the background is the Doom coat of arms. This one is another simple poster-style cover that really works, and in this case shows the core aspect of what goes on in the story. There was an Alternate cover for this title by Mike Mayhew, a Spider-Woman cover, which shows Doom creating some cosmic energies between his hands with an old-school Spider-Woman looking on over his shoulder. It's fine, but the primary is much, much better. The story, Road to Latveria, was written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador LaRocca. Spoilers for the events of issue six. I'm going to go through the comic scene by scene, just so you know. First, the recap from the first page. Doom publicly condemned the dangerous flaws of an international program called the Antlion Project that was developed to solve climate change. So when Latverian missiles struck the facility, killing nearly 3,000 people, he became the prime suspect. Doom surrendered hoping to prove his innocence, but mysterious visions of a peaceful future with a loving family and a woman named Frugina, and the time traveler Kang's confirmation that such a future was possible, drove him to escape. Doom tracked down Frugina, a Latverian expat, who scorned him for past injustice against her family. Blue Marvel, Silver Sable, and Victorious interrupted the meeting, all pursuing Doom for different reasons. When Doom became convinced that Simcaria framed him for the antlion attack to usurp the rule of Latveria, he flew into a rage. Doom must now return to his homeworld if he wishes to reclaim it, and his only remaining ally is the unpredictable Kang the Conqueror, who seems to be chronologically entangled with Doom for reasons unknown. We start. Issue 6 in Texas, 48 miles northwest of Terlingua, in a boxcar of a freight train. Are we going to talk about it, Kang asks Doom, our blood relation? Doom doesn't seem the point, but Kang reminds him that they are still two days from their waypoint. Our? Doom scoffs. I'm waiting for you to blink out of existence at any moment. But Kang has been with Doom for almost six days now, a new record. An older gentleman makes the bad choice of trying to ride the rails with our two leads, but that does not end well for him in terms of him being tossed through the roof of that train car. Kang tells Doom that the black hole at the Antlion Project is causing reality as they know it to shift. The black hole must be destroyed if Earth is to survive, and yet... How does one destroy the invincible? This is finally a subject that interests Doom. Camping out 
like a pair of old-time hobos in the wilderness. They continue their discussion. They talk about whether they're related to each other, if perhaps Kang is Reed Richards' father. Doom floats the idea that perhaps he is Kang's father, and then mentions under his breath the names Kostin and Doru. Kang expresses his distaste of wandering like peasants, but Doom reminds him that mercenaries are tracking him, uh, Doom. But the next people they run across are a couple of dudes in a pickup truck who think Doom and Kang are dressed kind of funny. They call Kang Fancy Cleopatra, and Doom Steely Dan. And they are blasted into oblivion by Doom. To be fair, they did make fun of him. Some number of evenings later, on a river barge, Doom asks why Kang is so fixated on helping him, and the answer is easy. I will conquer the world you save. Wherever Dr. Doom stands, there exists a lust for power, one I can use to my advantage. And Doom deadpans a pretty funny reply. I think you're just lonely. But Kang won't stand for that. You're the one who's lonely. At which point, I'm thinking, it's okay, girls. You're both pretty. They actually hurl a few more insults at each other, and then they break down into peals of laughter. But then Doom brings back the serious. I will destroy you, Kang. I will destroy you first, Victor. They finally make it to Terlingua, Texas, where Doom has an ace in the hole. They discuss a couple of options for stopping the black hole and also threaten each other's lives again. And before they agree to anything, wapow! A purple-clad dude with a really big gun, Paladin, arrives with a sonic boom telling Doom that Simcaria is very unhappy with him. He brought the big-eyed Orb, a being whose head is nothing but a big eye, and he has another eye smack in the middle of his chest. Kang blasts these two interlopers with a device that saps their wills, and overhead a plane flies by. This is Doom's ace in the hole. Zora and the Latverian underworld have acquired and sent to Doom via courier, a little thing we like to call the ultimate nullifier. Again, Doom talks about his two sons, the thoughtful nine-year-old Kustin, and their rambunctious but fearless seven-year-old Doru. At the edge of town, Doom and Kang find their transportation, a pair of horses that they will ride into Mexico, and from there, catch a flight to Latveria. I'm going home. Doom announces. Kang points his big will-sapping weapon at Doom, saying he needs the nullifier. But as he approaches the fallen Latverian leader, Doom reaches out and grabs Kang's throat, from which blood spurts. Your will is unchecked. How do you destroy the inevitable? And in his final moments, Kang whispers that he will miss this familiarity. Perhaps through some twist of time, we are brothers. Goodbye, Kang.
And then we get an epic two-page splash of Doom riding his galloping horse, green cloak, flying majestically in the wind with a Stephen Crane poem. With a Stephen Crane poem about black riders serving as the only box of narration. And then on the last page in Chihuahua, Mexico, Doom is on the phone providing the solution to the antlion black hole situation to a certain stretchy fella who just doesn't have the brain power to figure it out himself. Your solution is simple, and my guess is he's standing right next to you. Brashear, the Blue Marvel, send him inside the antlion. Reed tries to interrupt him, which does not go well. Listen, you idiot! And Doom explains rationally and logically about Brashear's ability to generate massive amounts of negative energy. There is a chance the singularity won't incinerate him. Fare thee well, reprobate, Doom says, hanging up. Fare thee well. To be continued. Brief reaction, another winner. Another very interesting issue. But let's expand upon that a bit. Just when I thought I had figured out what Christopher Cantwell was doing with the rhythm that he was giving us in these issues. Uh, We talked about scene and sequel a few episodes back and how he was balancing the various story threads and plot points. And just when we thought at the end of last issue that he was bringing everything together for a big showdown, we get a complete swerve. We get a story... That has nothing to do with Simkari and the United Nations, or Victorious, or Silver Sable, or Dr. Fujina. We get doom in every scene, on every page, virtually every panel of this. And 21 of the 22 pages are a road trip where he interacts pretty much only with Kang. And that is over a number of, I say days, but I, weeks perhaps. It's a lot of talking, a lot of philosophizing. Not altogether dissimilar from the issue with Modoc, but this is really just a two-hander until the last page, of course, which is awesome because Doom gets to call Reed both an idiot and a reprobate, and that's always good. One thing that this issue did have that the others didn't always have is some humor, and not just the insulting Reed's lack of intelligence kind of humor, although I am completely here for that, of course. The scene with the tramp on the train was funny. I mean, that guy's dead. There is no doubt about it. This is not G.I. Joe, where he magically has a parachute under his hobo coat. No. Doom blasts him through the roof of the train car, and at that point, he's dead. We don't see him splatter into a broken mess of bones and flesh. But like I said, he was dead long before he hit terra firma. That's dark, but the slapstick nature of the humor is pretty hilarious. The guy shows up, asks if they mind him sharing his boxcar, then we get a close-up on Kang and Doom staring at him, and then we get a distant shot of him flying out of the train car. I'm sorry, that was a Looney Tunes level of pacing and humor. And that guy is dead, as are the two local yokels who try to bully the funny, dressed-up travelers. Fancy Cleopatra 
and Steely Dan aren't terrible insults, actually. Sort of a spark of humor there. But again, Doom is not in a jokey mood. So those two guys, uh, totally also dead. And yet, it's a funny scene. The timing, the comic nature of the panels. Again, it just kind of works. Maybe it's because of the intense conversation, the dialogue going on between Doom and Kang, that these bits of humor not just jumped out, but were necessary. The mystery of the relationship between Kang and Doom has been teased at for decades, and I kind of hope we don't get a final once-and-for-all official answer to that question. I like there being a mystery. And maybe this idea that Kang floated with his dying breath, that maybe they're brothers. Maybe that's where Cantwell is leading us, but who really knows? And the conversations that they had, that was interesting and also revealing. Setting the scene for what was coming later in the issue. First off, the fact that all we had was Doom and Kang for the entire issue. That should have clued us in that Kang might not survive. Not to say he'll never come back because comics. But it's like one of those TV episodes where the minor character gets a lot of great scenes for the first three quarters of the episode. You just know they're going to die at the end. And here... Not only does Kang take on a major role here, but also he and Doom are very clear about their final plans for each other. Each one is fully expecting to destroy the other. And at least as far as this issue is concerned, Doom was the one who was correct. So the two shocking moments, first the death of Kang, we maybe could have seen that one coming, certainly, eventually these two characters were going to come to a final resolution. Sorry, Sir Luke Giaconetti, but for what it's worth, I doubt we've seen the end of Kang in this series. But the second cliffhanger, the delivery of the ultimate nullifier to Doom, that worked for me, but then again, of course that worked for me. So we end with a little bit of progress in the storytelling, the the end of Kang, at least for now, and the arming of Doom with the weapon required for him to take back Latveria. And also, he just solved the antlion black hole problem. In his spare time, he solved that. When Reed has been spending 24-7 for a number of weeks trying to figure it out. But, to give the stretchy one credit, it was last issue that he admitted that he'd need Victor's help to solve the crisis. And just this once, Reed was right. So we still have some carry out there, the political and military side of the story. I imagine we'll get that figured out, wrapped up, at least to some extent, next issue. We talked about this last time, about when this first arc was going to end. And if it wasn't issue six, it must be issue seven, right? This did have the feel of the calm before the storm, so I do expect some more resolution next time. So a strange little issue, a bit out of the ordinary but thoroughly enjoyable. And just to check my own biases, I did a little poking around the internet for other reviews of the issue, just to see if I was totally out of the mainstream with how much I'm enjoying this. But no, the reviews seem to be varying levels of of pretty positive. Here, as an example, are some of the comments from the issue number six review by Obsessed Nerd on the League of Comic Geeks website. The issue got three stars with these 
uh, comments uh, a part of that review. This continues to be a good, solid book each month, well-written with nice artwork. His interactions with Kang add another interesting dimension to the story, which I'm enjoying a lot. We've seen the intelligent and honorable side of Doom for the last few issues, but what I'm looking forward to as he announces his intention to go home at the end of this issue is seeing Dr. Doom's darker side as he starts to push back against the plots against him. I agree with most of that. Overall, a fair review. Now, on these Doomspeak episodes, I have been looking back at the sales figures for the title. I want to keep doing that. Uh, This information is available at Comicron.com. And the most recent figures are for January, the month of issue four. And Dr. Doom sold a a cute uh, and curated 23,300 issues, landing at number 83 on the sales list. That's a decline of 10% in sales from last month, and a slide of, this actually isn't all that bad, four spots on the sales chart. The next issue of the title, Dr. Doom number 7, is currently scheduled to be released Wednesday, April 1st, and I'm not fooling about that, okay? And to whet your appetite for that issue... And the related podcast episode, here is the Issue 7 blurb from previews. Dr. Doom returns to Latveria out for revenge on those who stole his throne away from him. With the help of his remaining allies and one of the most powerful weapons in the universe, he'll work to expose and destroy the conspirators working against him. But the black hole on the moon is growing critical, and Doom's brilliant mind may be the only one that can stop catastrophe that will wreak havoc throughout the solar system. Still, Doom isn't one to just offer a friendly hand. If the people of Earth want his help, he's going to make them beg for it. And I gotta admit, I'm kind of looking forward to that one no fooling. If you have any feedback on this episode, on the issue or anything related to The Good Doctor, don't hesitate to contact me. You can do that via email at relativelygeeky at gmail.com or as a comment on a Facebook or blog post for this episode. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Thanks for listening. Take care. And hail doom. Hail doom!